I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Jumpstart Your Joy. On today's show, I have an interview with Corey Huff of The Abundant Artist. And I want to give a big welcome to all of the new listeners and, of course, all of my beloved audience. Thank you for coming back for what is the third episode this week, which, of course, is unheard of. (laughs) It's a new thing for Jumpstart Your Joy. And it's all in total celebration of the multi-passionate must-haves bundle that is on sale now. You can go over to my website at jumpstartyourjoy.com and you will see all the information. But today is the last day of that sale. And to celebrate the 14 products worth $1,599 that you can snag for just 97 bucks through midnight, I believe, Pacific time today, I have been talking to other fellow multi-potentialites that have a product in that bundle. And so if you're not sure what I'm talking about right now, there are 14 of us who have put a e-product or an e-course, a book in a bundle that's for sale. And if you went out and bought all of these items separately, they would be valued at $1,599. And now just for through the end of today, it's Thursday, May 19th, 2016, you'll be able to snag them for 97 bucks. And it really is an awesome value. You'll get my book, which is Jumpstart Your Podcast, which is a guide to how to start a podcast. It's not available anywhere else unless you want to take my six-week e-course, which I invite you to do. The next one will be in July, and there'll be a sign-up page on my site. There's also Michelle Ward's amazing and effective escape, which is the very product that I used to plan my own jump from corporate to entrepreneurship. It really gave me the layout of how to save the money, honestly, and get ready to be out on my own. And and so I really, she doesn't offer it anymore. So that's worth snagging. Emily Wapnick has her Renaissance Business Guide, which I was going to pick up anyway. And then you've got the amazing, a bunch of amazing other products. My Carl, who is episode 37, she was Tuesday's episode, has her Life is Messy Planner. And Jennifer Lee, who was yesterday's episode number 38, she also has an offering that you can pick up. So really head over to my website and you will find all the information. And I want to give a special thank you to the three guests this week in the midst of them getting ready for the bundle themselves. They came on and spent their time here a little bit. So thank you. If you're new around these parts, hi, I'm Paula. I am a transformative life coach and I help women find more joy in their lives after hitting that kind of crispy, burnt out stage, usually in a corporate life. My background is advertising and tech and financial services. So I am accepting new clients if you're looking for a coach and you can find out more on jumpstartyourjoy.com. And I'm also a podcaster. Hi. (laughs) Hi. To get more information about this episode, the show notes and all of the links, everything we're talking about will be at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Corey, C-O-R-Y. And we'll also be on the homepage if you head over today. And if you like what you hear, you want to subscribe, Jumpstart Your Joy is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Love the reviews and I love subscribers. So head over, hit subscribe, join us. 
on today's episode with Corey. I just love this conversation because there's such a great vibe between the two of us and we'd never met before. So it's really fun hearing us kind of find out what we had in common. So Corey works with artists to help them tell their story online and and sell their art online. And we got to talk about how each of us is inherently creative. Each person on this planet is inherently creative. How connecting with others can help if someone is feeling stuck creatively or otherwise. And what inspires him as an artist and entrepreneur. So I just know you're going to love this conversation. Don't forget to go buy the multi-passionate bundle. Here is the interview with Corey Huff. Welcome to the show. Today, we have an interview with Corey Huff, who is the founder of The Abundant Artist. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Corey. Hello. Thank you very much for having me, Paula. Yeah, I'm so glad that we got to connect. Me too. So would you tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your early sparks of joy? My early sparks of joy were seeking all of the attention that I could possibly seek by being goofy and funny, and that ended up bringing me into theater. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was in fourth grade, I had way too much energy, and my teacher said to my mom, you should put him in a summer drama camp. (laughs) And so my mom figured out a way to do that, and I was in The Wizard of Oz in a summer drama camp in fourth grade. I played a munchkin. (laughs) my my first experience on stage yeah and I caught the theater bug at a very young age I did school productions here and there and then when I got into high school I got pretty serious about it and I was in a touring Shakespeare company and I got an agent and did commercials and small independent films and stuff basically from the time I was 16 and so I've had sort of this off beat acting career for the last 20 years where I'm not famous. Nobody knows who I am, but I continue to do stage projects and little independent things. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you that you kind of follow through like there's the through line is there. Sometimes when I ask that question, it's not totally obvious in someone's life. I mean, usually we, we get to it like later in the conversation, but I love that it's something that you've stayed the course with. Well, I, I have this personality where once I decide that I like something, I sort of become obsessed with it and do it forever. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I, still play, I still play Dungeons and Dragons with friends from high school. So Yes, <laughs> I love that too. Yeah, well, and I was, we were saying before I hit record, like there's a bunch of stuff and I don't, Corey doesn't know yet all of the ways that we're similar. But oh, boy. So, okay, I'm about to find out. Yeah, you're going to, I'll reveal a couple. This will be kind of a funny episode in that way. But, but like, so, yeah, so growing up, I love drama as well. And listeners have heard me say before that, like, I was the kid that somebody said, you're such a good, loud singer. It wasn't that I was a good singer. It was, <laughs> I was really loud. So, yeah, drama was my, my thing. Kind of what led me, I'll be sentimental and say, led me back home was, getting back into drama and finding improv, which was like it. Like mm-hmm. after I had a kid though, there hasn't been a ton of time to do it publicly. We do a lot of improv at home, but <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of admiration for improv artists. I, you know, I've trained in improv. I've done a fair bit of it. I've even done a few, like I did an improv musical show once and it was so hard. You know, I'm a, I'm a classically trained actor. I do Shakespeare and big, you know, dramatic stuff. But it's all rehearsed. It's all, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to do before I go on stage for the most part. The improv thing is a a different skill, and I really admire that. (laughs) Yeah, it's so much fun. Well, because you do, like, there's a trust thing. Like, that's the thing that I think I love the most is, like, going out there and going, I have no idea what's about to happen. 
and then you just go. Yeah, it's been helpful becoming a coach. Like, I feel like I hit that same muscle all the time. And like, like, okay, intuitively, what's going on here? And how do I react? So, yeah. And then the other thing that really, like, I've always loved gaming. I've, I only played Dungeons and Dragons once. And I don't think it was a good experience. I don't really remember why. I think we had a very bad dungeon master, but. That is endemic. (laughs) I'm the dungeon master for my group. And I made my own, like, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, but this is where we are. I made my own homebrew world, like my own gaming world, the where we play. And that world, I've been, I've been, I've essentially, I started that when I was about 14 or 15 years old. And we played together all through high school and college. And I still run games in that world. So that world has like a legendary history that spans like 2000 years of game time where, you know, when I first started, it was, you know, sort of in a Neolithic era. And then we went through a more modern era, like a more medieval era. And now, now the world is sort of starting to modernize. We have just like this, you know, we played so much in the world and explored so many different ways of being and ways of gaming. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Wow. That's epic. Like in the real, <laughs> both in the gaming like way, but like that is epic. Like, wow. Yeah. We run two epic level campaigns in the game. So. Oh my gosh. How awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. I mean, I've never written anything like that or like created a story or a world like that, but my husband and I met in World of Warcraft. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So the nerd runs deep over here. We love it. <laughs> yeah. Good times right there. So I love the gamer part. Yeah. <laughs> to all of the people who are not gamers listening to us geek out on this. That's fine. I know. They're like, what happened? Where's the joy? What, what happened with this podcast? <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. Well, yeah. So what is it that you do now and who do you work with? Sure. I now I when I graduated from college, I needed a survival job. So I went to work for an Internet marketing company. I had gotten into Internet marketing a little bit in college because I was trying to get people to come see the student run productions that I was producing. Mm-hmm. And so I got into blogging and, and MySpace back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And when I went to work for this little internet marketing company, suddenly I was like, whoa, like you can like put stuff on the internet and people will buy it. So that was pretty cool. So I started blogging about what I was learning because I had all these different side projects that I was blogging about. And basically I said, you know, this is how you use MySpace. This is how you use Facebook, all that kind of stuff to sell your art. And, and I would interview creative people and say, you know, I'm, I'm a young creative. I'm a young artist trying to figure out how to make a living. How do you do it? And they would share their wisdom with me, and I would publish those as blog posts. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the early days of blogging before blogging was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so nobody read the blog. And <laughs> so I just I did that for a couple of years until basically people came along and they started reading my blog and we accumulated a following. And then people started saying, oh, you should teach classes on Internet marketing. And I was like, oh, OK, like that could be a cool side project to make a little bit of extra money because I was I had the day job and then I was also performing in shows. And I was like, oh, I could make a little extra money doing this. And then I lost my job. And then I was like, oh, I'll just turn this into a business. And that didn't work out. I made it about six months. And then I got another job. And about three years ago, I left that job to go full time in my business. How exciting. Yeah. Wow. That Yeah. And it's so funny. I mean, the daisy chain of events that then leads you to where you are, like, and the curiosity that got you there is so cool. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it really is about curiosity, right? Like I was like, how do other creative people do it? I have no idea. I grew up in a family where everybody was working class. Everybody had 
labor jobs or, you know, like retail jobs, basically low skilled or semi-skilled kind of work. And I remember when I was 14, I had been roofing houses with my uncle for the summer. And I thought, gosh, I I really have to go to college because I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And so I just decided to figure out, you know, nobody in my family knew how to go to college. So I just decided I was going to figure it out. And I just asked a lot of questions. And that's how I've been for most of my life. I ask inappropriate questions. That's what it is. I, <laughs> I'll be sitting, I'm like, how much money do you make? What's your job like? Do you like your job? Are you happy? To people that I just met, it's a tick. It's a disease. That's good, though. Like, yeah, I could see where, I mean, if you're curious and that's just the question, yeah, why not? I'm, do most people answer? Yeah, actually. Even- the craziest one? Uh, yeah, yeah, like a lot of times people will look at me a little shocked and then they'll answer or they'll laugh because people don't ask those kinds of questions. Like, what's your story? If, you, if you're at a, ever at a networking meeting, walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm Corey. What's your story? And <laughs> instead of asking, what do you do? Right. Yeah. And probably three out of four times, the person, if you ask somebody that question, they'll go, uh, uh, ooh, I don't know. I, I don't have a practiced answer for that question. Right. Uh, and then you get something honest out of them. And that's really cool. I love that. Ooh, I'm going to try that because, yeah, we're so tied to, hi, I'm Paula and I'm a life coach, which always sounds a little awkward still to me now because it's new. But like, but we're so tied to the identity being the thing that we do as work instead of it being like our story. I like how you phrase that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's just the thing, like with multi-potentialites, right? We met because of the multi-potentialites thing, like with people who are, who truly have many passions and who are interested in lots of different things. When you ask them what they do, they have to sort of pick one thing and then they, and then you form a story in your head around who that person is when you really only see a tiny portion of who that person is. When you ask somebody what's their story, you're giving them a chance to present to you whatever their version of themselves is. And I really like that. Yeah. I'm wondering, too, if when you ask that question, do you think the people that just naturally go, oh, yeah, you want to know that? Like, do you think those people might be, are they secret, multi-passionate people? Like, whether they know it or not, are they also multi-pods that are like, oh, that resonates. I can answer that. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't studied yeah. that enough to know. But I think that the people who... Like sometimes people will light up when I ask that question uh-huh. because it's just different and it's unexpected. Some people like that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. That that would be really interesting to know if the people who do respond well to that question, if they are multi-potentialites. Yeah. That'd be like a neat thing to, you know, plot on a graph somewhere. I'm, I'm probably gonna, nerding out over the, the data point. Con- the next few conferences and networking events I go to, I'm going to ask. I'm going to have to like ask that question. And then, okay, if you'll excuse me, I have a series of follow-up questions. Yes. Do you have trouble deciding what is there, you know, do you have trouble committing to just one thing that you want to do with your life? Yes or no? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, please report back on what you find, Corey. That'd be very cool. All right, we'll do a follow-up episode. Yeah, I might have to ask around, too. This is going to be fun. Kind of along those same kinds of lines, like, as a multi-passionate, and I just called it a multi-pod, I think our friend Emily Wapnick also calls us that sometimes. Right. Sounds like you actually are of the type that kind of you have a lot of interests and you have them all running kind of simultaneously. I think she calls that like the flash archetype, like she has four archetypes. Mm-hmm. How have you decided what holds and keeps your interest? Because I know for me, like lots of times I'll have these great ideas. I'll even put them down in a notebook, but then they never like come to fruition. Like I just they maybe lose steam. 
I am ruthless about pruning new ideas. I have new business ideas every single day, new artistic projects that spring up all the time. I live in Portland, Oregon. Whenever there's new audition announcements, I'm always like, okay, drop everything and go find out about that company. Like, I have to essentially look at everything that I have going on and lop off 80 or 90% of it at any given time because mm-hmm. I can't be effective because I've just spread myself too thin. Yeah. You know, I've got the thing that I do that makes my money, which is the business that I run. But then I also, you know, doing the theater stuff that I do, I love doing that. It feeds my soul. And I, I think that it's something that I'm really good at. And then storytelling, which is in a similar vein, which I love doing. And then because those things are all sort of professional, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do them well, right? Yeah. So then I also have the things that I do that I just do for fun, which is gaming, right? Mm. And that's a very creative outlet. Like as the dungeon master for my group, I'm making up stories, I'm making up characters, I'm making up voices, (laughs) but I don't put pressure on myself to put it at the same level of the professional things that I do. So basically I look at it and I say, do I want to do it? Is it going to bring me joy or make me happy or be fulfilling in some way? And is it going to interfere with the other things that I'm doing that I've decided to prioritize? Yeah. 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 And that's probably the hard part in some ways, because I know even for me, then sometimes I feel like if I'm saying no to something right now, then I, is there the fear that like, I won't come back to it? I don't know what I'm asking. I guess I, I know, I know, I know where you're going with this and the ideas that I implement and the projects that I take on are the ones that pop up over and over again. Got it. There, yeah. are, there are some ideas that I kill and then they come back and then mm. I kill and they come back. They just come up over and over again. And I say, okay, you know what? That's like the 10th the time that's popped up. I should really pay attention to that and see what we can make out of that. Yes. I think that is an excellent way because it's almost like is the universe sending you more nudges about like, hey, but wait, 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 this one comes back. And like people start asking you about it or mm-hmm. it pops up all over around around you. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah, that'll be helpful. I've been taking note on those as well. And that's that's actually how the thing that I've got in the multi-passionate must-haves bundle, that's how that thing came about. I don't know. We could both talk. Should we talk about what we have offered? In sure, this we probably should. Product? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay, sure. The product that I am including, that the Abundant Artist is including in the multi-passionate, multi-potentialites bundle mm-hmm. is artist websites that sell. It's a course on how to make sure that your website will get people to buy whatever your creative thing is. Mm -hmm. So building beautiful websites is only the first step in having an effective online business. The website also has to be a good sales tool. It has to market you well and tell people exactly what you do when they first land on the website and make it easy for them to buy and also represent you well as as a creative. So I teamed up with my friend Natalie McGuire to build this course and it's normally a $47 course. It's an, basically an overview of how professional web designers think about branding, what kind of tools they use, what kind of tests they use to make sure that your branding is on point, and what website building tools are out there and short tutorials on all of those so you can figure out which ones are right for you. That's awesome because that is really hard, especially if you're – I mean, I've worked with a few creative folks that if they don't naturally like kind of gravitate towards tech – it becomes so overwhelming or could be so overwhelming and like foreign that it's like, no, I don't even know how I would 
get in there. Yeah. Our goal is to make, is to abstract the tech away and make it as easy as possible. That's Mm -hmm. why we usually recommend tools like website builders like Shopify or Squarespace, where you're not messing with code. You don't have to know how to do anything other than upload your images and pick the right colors. Love it. Yeah, I've worked with both. Well, my site's on WordPress and I've built one on Squarespace just because, one, I wanted to play and two, it seemed like it was so polished and pretty. Mm -hmm. And and it is. Wow, those are slick. I love it. This is not an ad, but (laughs) Squarespace is pretty awesome for what Squarespace is great. I wish they'd sponsor this podcast. I know. Yeah. Hey, Squarespace. (laughs) Whatever. But yeah, I really enjoyed working with them. And I can see what you said. Like it's easy. It's like no barrier to entry. It's much easier to play with and have it feel playful, too. It's interesting because the other thing that I loved about your offering is it's kind of like, I don't know if you would call it a practical guide. Would you classify it as such or? I would call it a course because we have in the course, there are four modules and each, each module, there's two or three individual lessons, each with a video and some downloadable worksheets. That is cool. That's really robust. Yeah. Because what I placed in there is my jumpstart your podcast guide that goes along with my my live class, also of the same name, but really gets you kind of from idea to launch in a podcast, which is something that was a lot of fun to write. And yeah, it's not really even available anywhere because it goes with the class. So <laughs> if somebody wants to start a podcast and just would like a kind of a guide with worksheets and some of my learnings in like what worked and what didn't, I think it, it'll be really helpful to them for that. Cause I don't know, you also have a podcast, Corey. I don't know if you have any tips or kinds of things. That I you- have no tips for running podcasts. My, <laughs> I, my podcast is literally just me talking to my friends who are successful artists Yeah, and saying, gosh, I, you know, the other artists who want to succeed should probably be doing some of this stuff. And, 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 basically grilling them and saying, hey, why did you do that? And did it work? And then we have really low production quality. We don't even have like a, what you call it, like a jingle, like an intro. Yeah. Like it's, it's not a, it's never going to be on the top of iTunes. But, you know, our, the abundant artists, our friends and followers and fans and stuff, they like it. They like seeing professional artists talk in a, in a real low key, non-high production way. At least I like to think they like it. So yeah, we have a podcast, but most of what we publish at The Abundant Artist is blog posts. That's awesome though. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a nice way of getting, it's a, like an extended reach for in a lot of ways. And I think that's why it's fun. At least from my standpoint, I interview a lot of different kinds of people. And since the focus is joy, like it's really fun as a multi- passionate person to like pick out a few people that I'm like, Hey, how'd you do this or that? And how does joy play a part in that journey? And, and so it's really fun because I get to dive in kind of deep and then be like, okay, I've had enough, you know, (laughs) I don't need to know any more about that topic. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved And we'll link up to this one, but I loved what you, when you were talking with Emily about how, I don't know exactly what you said was something about how so many multi-potentialites are inherently creative. And like you were, identifying that there was this artificial division that we usually make as a society between like a creative artist and a creative scientist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, talking that about was, that. I was like, Ooh, this is good stuff. Do you want yeah. to talk a little bit about that? Cause I was so fascinated. I feel like there's also this tie in with like, really is the person creative first and then they decided to like implement or harness that creativity in different ways in society. But like, yeah, I was, I was digging that conversation. Oh, I could talk about this for hours and then all of your people would be like, stop talking, Corey. Okay, so people are inherently creative. All people are inherently creative. And, you know, if you think about children, like children say the most ridiculous things, partially out of ignorance, but also because they don't have like 
prior impressions about what they're supposed to be saying or the implications of what they're saying. So they just, they're just creative and that's just who they are. So what, then what happens is people go to school and they're peer pressured into behaving in a certain way or saying certain things. And then they go to college and they're supposed to be training for a career. And then you go and you sit in a cubicle and you perform a, a certain function. And the specialization of labor is important. Like we need people who are really good at specific things so that we can all thrive as a society, blah, 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 blah. But people get out of touch with their native creativity. And I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. I get to the end of the day, I'm tired. I want to watch TV, watch some brainless TV instead of doing something that will stimulate my creativity. But it's actually not that hard to stimulate your own creativity. I think that's why things like scrapbooking are so popular because it's a real low barrier entry way to, to increase your creativity. But there are people who follow their creative passions and become really good at all kinds of things because they just allow themselves to pursue whatever they're interested in. And I think the example that I gave when I was on Emily's podcast was Albert Einstein, Mm -hmm. right? That he was this brilliant scientist, you know, and we all know the story of him starting out being not very good at math, but he was interested in that. And so he continued pursuing it. And then he was also an accomplished painter and he was also a talented violinist and he spoke several languages and he was just the epitome of the multipod right? Mm -hmm. And there are lots and lots of scientists and artists and other people who are very creative because they allow themselves to be. Yeah. It's so interesting that like, who are the folks that just listen and get curious a little bit about either like, hey, what did I love as a child? And I think that's part of why I start my show. That's the same question every time. It's what did you love as a kid, basically? Mm -hmm. Because some of us retain that, but then some of us, and I think it is through, I'll use the term, like it's the institutionalized learning and we all get kind of desensitized to some of the creativity thing because that doesn't always fit in in like the science class, right? You kind of have to all learn the same thing. Sure. But yeah, I wonder who it is that tends to go back and says, no, I need that back in my life. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, Melissa Dinwiddie here. So I is, know her, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Melissa is brilliant at this kind of stuff. And she explores these ideas a lot on her blog. And so I think she, you should have her on because she would have a lot to say about this. But what I've heard from Melissa and, and read in books about creativity and stuff is that people reach a point in their life where they achieve some level of dissatisfaction with their life, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe they, they become professionally very accomplished and maybe they have a lot of money, but there's still things missing from their lives. And the pain of that kind of situation has to be strong enough that it makes you pay attention, right? Mm. And so I've seen a lot of the people that Melissa works with are artists who are creatively stuck because they they keep thinking that they have to make art in a certain way. Or they're people who, you know, they were artists when they were teenagers and in college, but then they went and got an office job somewhere and that's been silently lurking in the back of their garage forever. There was an artist that I worked with recently who she had spent 20 years as a stay-at-home mom until she continued to paint while she was a stay-at-home mom, but she didn't tell anybody that she was painting. Mm. And eventually she got to a point where she was so upset that she had stifled that she hadn't told anybody about what she was doing that she finally just had to come out right (laughs) and the crazy thing was was she had 700 pieces of art in her garage oh my goodness she was this incredibly prolific accomplished painter but nobody knew about it because she was too afraid to to let anybody see that she was a painter yeah so i think that creative urge exists within all of us it's just a matter of whether or not we're willing to listen 
to it and give it some portion of our lives. And Melissa talks about doing that in 15 minutes a day, right? You, if you feel like there's a creative urge, give it 15 minutes a day and it'll take you in interesting directions. The other thing is if you do that, not only will you scratch that itch, but you will probably become better at whatever thing you are doing for your job. Like whether you're a housewife or a doctor or a scientist or whatever, giving yourself the space for your brain to leave your job and to explore other realms will make you better at whatever it is you do because you'll start to make connections that other people won't necessarily see. And you're also giving your brain opportunity to rest and assimilate your experiences. Yes. Yes. That is awesome. And 15 minutes is like doable. I mean, you can do anything for 15 minutes. It's actually from the fly lady who talks about zone cleaning in your house. Mm-hmm. Who's also been on the show, but like her thing is, you know, if you don't want to do something, 15 minutes isn't that long. But if you're feeling that resistance that a lot of people do around, well, yeah, I love it, but, but really, I mean, 15 minutes isn't that long. <laughs> so, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Like a doable amount of time. I love that. I know you said you could go on for hours about the inherently creative. So I don't know if you have any other pieces around that, that you, that's like just kind of core to what you, what your message is about. You know, I think that there are, So I had an email earlier today from an artist who said that she has all of these ideas for what she considers to be truly original art, but she was afraid to share her ideas. She knew that she needed help. She knew that she needed help learning how to market herself. She needed help learning how to execute the ideas that she had, Mm -hmm. but she was afraid to share her ideas with people because she didn't want anybody to steal her ideas because she had talked to some other experienced artists who told her that their ideas had been stolen. Yeah. And I think the reality is that ideas by themselves are not actually very valuable. Where they're valuable is when you're able to execute on them and where where you're able to help as many people as possible know about them, right? Where you get TED ideas worth spreading, right? And they create Mm -hmm. this platform for people with good ideas to share those ideas. If you are stuck, it behooves you to share your ideas. And I think that if you are creatively stuck, it behooves you to share that fact with, maybe those closest to you or some other safe person so they can help you get unstuck. Because I've talked to a lot of people, artists and, and, and otherwise, who spend a long time stuck on a particular problem because they keep trying to figure it out on their own right. or somebody gives them some advice and they don't like it so they don't implement the advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, and I've worked with a couple clients too. I mean, while I'm, you know, a coach with, with a different focus than you, interestingly, one of my clients was very concerned about her photography and someone, you know, possibly stealing it if she put it out there as a blog. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what other advice you give folks. Oh, I, mean, I have I have the best advice for this situation. Yeah. So if you're concerned about somebody stealing your stuff off the Internet. Yeah. Put your stuff everywhere. Be ubiquitous. Be yeah. Like, like do you the very best you can to make sure that your stuff shows up on every website, every social media, everything that you can. So, you know, Lisa Congdon, she's an artist, yeah. yeah, illustrator. So a few years ago, her stuff got stolen and actually this company called Cody Foster ripped her off and sold a bunch of her stuff into anthropology and West Elm. Mm-hmm. And so Cody Foster is suddenly making a whole bunch of money off of that. If Lisa had gone the lawyer route and sued Cody Foster, she would have spent a lot of money, right? Because the the lawsuits over copyright and that kind of stuff are very expensive and very time consuming. Mm -hmm. But instead, Lisa just wrote a blog post because she has an enormous online following. 
And Lisa wrote a blog post and said, hey, this happened. And basically, the entire internet shamed anthropology in West Elm into dropping Cody Foster's stuff. And so she, I, I, she wasn't able to claim any money back. But because of that story, because of, because of her people making noise about it, it got picked up by Gawker and Boing Boing and a bunch of other, a whole bunch of other news websites. And now if you like look any, any image of Lisa's that's on the internet, pretty much everybody's going to know that, Hey, that's Lisa's anybody, anybody that is in the realm of design and art is going to know that that image belongs to Lisa. And, and she's not, it's going to be almost impossible to rip Lisa off. <laughs> yes. Well, in her, her, especially her handwriting, I mean, it's almost, it's almost like a font, like, but it looks so, it's so distinctive that yeah, anymore you couldn't rip it off if you tried because <laughs> You're like you said, everybody knows that kind of style and what, what her work looks like. And yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I've forgotten that she was one of the artists that got ripped off. That's a good example. Yeah, my basic thing was almost the opposite of, well, maybe don't worry about having to share this with anyone now. Like kind of interestingly, Elizabeth Gilbert says something about it in Big Magic. But like, what if this is just this thing for you? Like, mm-hmm. you know, make it just yours for now. And then when you're comfortable, you can share. So there you go. <laughs> People who may be worried, there's two ways to go for it. You mentioned a little bit, and I'd be interested on your thinking around this, but what is the hardest part of being a multi-passionate slash artist when you're looking to tackle marketing? And I'm kind of thinking in that realm, something about like, how can creatives and artists thrive? Because there's that pressure around feeling like I have to sell, you know, like, and putting myself out there. And is it feeling like I've sold out or like, how can they, I guess, maybe not what the hardest part is, but what, what is your experience in helping somebody through that? Right. I don't think that the biggest problem is like learning marketing skills. Because marketing skills actually are not that hard. I, I think it's harder to make art than it is to learn how to market yourself. I think the biggest hurdle is learning how to talk about your work and talk about your own story effectively. When I first started teaching online marketing to artists seven years ago, my class was all about the technical stuff. Like, here's how you set up a mailing list. Here's how you set up a Facebook page, all that kind of stuff. And everybody was still failing, right? Like, everybody's like, I did all this stuff and nothing's happening. So then I I looked at it and I said, okay, what's going on here? What else do I need to teach? And basically, everybody's social media posts were really boring. And I said, oh, okay, well, if your social media is boring, if your marketing is boring, then that means it's missing the element of you. It's missing your story. And so over the years, we developed some exercises and techniques to get creative people to learn how to talk about themselves. And, you know, there's no perfect way to do it, but essentially we, we make people journal. We make them keep either written or visual journals, both for themselves and their own experiences with making, as well as journaling around the individual pieces that you're creating. One of the exercises we do in one of my classes is we have you work on a new piece of art for an hour, something simple, something that you can get mostly done in an hour and stop like three or four times during that hour, take a progress picture. And then at the end of the hour, write a journal entry about the experience of making that piece. And not only talking about what you did, like what technical choices you made, like what colors you used and what kind of brush you used or whatever, but also, you know, the emotional reasons for the choices you made. Like, why did you choose to use red? Why did you choose to use that brush? Why did you choose that subject matter? That kind of stuff. That allows creative people to be clear with themselves about 
the reasons that they're making the art that they're making. And what happens a lot of times is if it's art that's really coming from a deep place in the artist's emotions, that journal entry will cause them to just pour out all kinds of stuff, right? Like they'll have a lot of motivation to, or a lot of, there's a lot of there there. There's a lot of stuff going on, going into that art. On the other end, what will happen is the artist will discover that they're not actually making the art that they are meant to make. They're making something that is shallow or is safe rather than making art about the stuff that they truly genuinely care about. Mm. And it's very difficult to market art that you don't care about. So then they'll discover, I need to go back and go in a new direction with my art. And a lot of times when people take my classes, they'll discover that, which I think is pretty fun. Yeah, I love that. It's very difficult to market art you don't care about. I'm writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Because I think that probably applies to a lot of people that like, maybe if you look back at like what your passion is and what you're trying to go after that brings you joy, if you're what, if maybe you're resistant or you don't feel like you share it with other people, is there something else? Like, I love that maybe journaling for yourself. Like if you take that back out, it's like a, a different, broader coaching practice. You know, maybe write about what it is that you're doing or why it's not really resonating. Because I got in that place in a previous blog where it just kind of started to fall flat. And even though it was something that I really cared about, it, I didn't care to share about it in a public way that was meaningful to other people. So, mm-hmm. yeah very interesting journey as well. Yeah. And there's no, there's no one honest answer or one, no, no one way to do this, right? Like you have to sort of puzzle it together. I can share experiences from the artists that I've worked with and I've, you know, I've, I've, we've had several dozen artists on the podcast and I've interviewed and worked with hundreds of artists, but I can't like hand a formula to you and say, this is how it works. You have to, I can, I can say, here's some tools and go figure it out. Well, yeah, because I mean, the marketing and the why behind anybody is going to be as unique as they are. So, yeah, probably really. That's is that part of the fun and the excitement of being kind of I'm wondering if this ties back to the multi-passionate piece for you, like as a coach, as a as somebody who works with artists. Is that part of the fun, though? Oh, yeah. Every 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 time I run a live class, the dynamic of the group is totally different. So it's a new puzzle to figure out. Every time I bring on a new coaching client, they are a new puzzle to figure out because everybody's at a different stage in their business and have different challenges that they need to overcome and different ways that they need to overcome it. And sometimes we're successful and sometimes we fail. But it is really fun to try to figure it out. Yeah, I love that part of it, too. And that's why as a project manager, that's what I was before. But like, that was the fun. Like, it wasn't so much that I love managing projects, but that I got to learn things and, and go deep on things every time. And then oh, yeah. being a project was- manager is super interesting. Like, you have to get so detailed into like, a different pro- Yeah, if you're a freelance project manager, that's like a cool, cool, cool job. <laughs> yeah, I may make it something that I end up just using to help pay bills because I love it. But long term, I think that's not my path. But yeah, it is. It's a great if you're a multi potentialite and you're like, what should I do? Well, try that. Project management's exciting. Keeps <laughs> a lot of the curiosity for sure. Let's see what else we got here. What has been your inspiration? Even when, well, I guess what has been your inspiration? If you've ever felt like quitting, what has kind of kept you going? <laughs> oh, if I feel like quitting, what keeps me going? Well, part of it is the money, right? Like, so obviously you have, you have to move forward and continue on if you need the money. But also at this point where I'm at right now, the thing that keeps me going is the community, right? Like mm-hmm. we've got a 
group of artists who read our blog and take our classes and email me and say, oh my gosh, I just got my first sale or oh my gosh, I just quit my job or like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Like that is super fun. I love doing that. I also love getting in front of people and speaking. Those elements are super fun. So those are all really motivating. Also the puzzle of figuring out what's next. So, you know, we've been, I've been running this business for seven years and I have a few different classes that we teach. So what is the next thing? Like, how do I help a larger group of artists get further faster? Right. So we've got, I've got my book coming out in June, which is called How to Sell Your Art Online. And that is an examination of how the internet is changing the way that our artists sold, changing the art business. And if you're in the art business, it's super fascinating because 25% of our galleries have gone out of business in the last seven years. And it's a time of tremendous disruption for, for artists. Mm-hmm. So that's what the book is about. And then we're doing a conference in July, July 1st and 2nd, just a few days after the book comes out. And the conference is about building a collective, about finding other artists that you can collaborate with and learning how other artists are succeeding and sort of banding together to figure that out. So those kinds of things are what keeps me interested and keeps me motivated. That's super cool. Yeah. And if somebody wants to find out more about the conference, is it open or where could they go to find yeah, out? Yeah, we've got, we've got another, I think, three weeks before ticket sales close. The website for the conference is AbundantArtistConference.com. You can find out information about that and the book and everything else at TheAbundantArtist.com. Awesome. And congrats on the book. That's really exciting. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. And I'll link to all of these in the show notes as well. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to bring up? I I have a couple closing questions I ask everybody. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) So if somebody's got a big dream that they want to bring into the world, what advice would you give them about bringing their dream into action? Tell as many people as you can and then start taking steps now. Like take action on it, figure out what needs to happen to get there and then work backwards, break it down. You, this is your project management stuff. You take the project yeah. that you want to accomplish, you break it down into smaller steps until you get to the step that you can take right now, right? So if you want to start a business, you know, maybe the first step is finding a domain name or figuring out, you know, what kind of products somebody wants to have, what kind of products the people you want to serve are looking for doing some research, but it really is about just taking consistent daily action. Love it. Yes. And that comes up a lot, like, because people see that end thing that they want to accomplish, but it's so hard to get there when it just seems like this big daunting thing, but breaking it down into those little bitty digestible steps, that doesn't make sense. Breaking them down into little baby steps, like totally helps to Mm -hmm. like make it doable. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I love my mixed metaphor there. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Serve others with no expectation of reward. Eat really good food just because it's good. And love somebody so much that it's scary. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> the last one is so very sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love them all. Yay. <laughs> Oh, I just said, oh, Corey, it was so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you. It was fun. Corey, thank you so much for joining me on today's show and for rounding out the big schedule of multi-passionate folks that have joined me this week. It's been a real adventure and I am grateful to all of you guys. 
So if you've enjoyed hearing a story from a multi-potentialite, I totally encourage you to go back and look. Mai Carls was episode 37 and Jennifer Lee was episode 38. So those were just the Tuesday and Wednesday shows this week. I also have interviews with the folks that have helped pull together this full bundle sale. And that's Michelle Ward and Emily Wapnick. So if you want to hear from them, those were earlier episodes. They're both really, I really love what both of them have to say. So I invite you to go back and look. And all of this will be on the homepage at jumpstartyourjoy.com for this week of what May 16th. If you want the show notes for the show with Corey, it's jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Corey. And so the last push today, it's the final day, Thursday, May 19th, to get your hands on that bundle. I encourage you to head over to the site, check it out. I'm sure you'll see something there that just piques your interest. If you've liked what you heard today, just 97 bucks and you get 14 products. And once the sale is gone, it's gone forever. So be sure and head over and grab that now while you still can. And next week on the podcast is going to be a surprise. (laughs) So you'll have to come back and see who I have on the docket. Until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. 